All righty. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Let me uh, get situated while you're finishing getting situated. It's good to be back. For those of you who don't know, we just had our fourth. We had welcomed little Mia Riley into our family about three weeks ago. Thank you. Uh, it is so good. Um, holding a newborn and getting those snuggles, it's the best the best feeling ever. Any parents in the room? Grandparents? Yeah. You know how it is. It's the best. Um, so I've just been enjoying that. And I am very excited that I get to come back and speak and share a little bit with you guys this morning. So this is going to be great. Kim and the kids send their love. And they say hello. Okay. I'm going to pray and we're going we're gonna to jump in. Father God, I thank you that your presence is in the room. Thank you, God, that you're healing hearts and minds. Thank you, God, that you're softening hearts and minds. Lord, we want all of it, all you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Okay. I love whenever I get to come in and tag team with either Ryan or Nick. It's always so much fun. Uh, These guys are hitting it out of the park week after week, so getting to come in and jump in in what God's doing over here is always just a a blast. Um, And if you weren't here last week, you should watch it. It was so good. Lots of roaring, lots of soaring, (laughs) lots of stepping out of our comfort zones and just going for what God has, and it's amazing. Last time I got a chance to share with you guys, I talked a little bit in the beginning about the importance of coming to church with expectations to see God move. Um, That should be uh, part of our our stance every time we come is that we're eager to see see what God is going to do. And I want to kind of continue in that train of thought, which really goes in the direction of what um, the pastor has been uh, teaching on. And it's this, it's good to come expecting... But just as that, as a, that is a learned thing, it doesn't just come naturally. Like, you got to choose throughout your week. you got to choose. You're coming ready to see what God has. And the other part of it that is also a learned thing is being able to recognize what he's serving and eating whatever he serves. That's, that's huge in us growing. And so that's, that's where I'm going to be going this morning. So if you want to follow me... It, it might be out of rabbit's pace. It might not. But we're going to go. Where are we going? We're going to 2 Kings uh, chapter 5 is where we're going to go. So I'm going to give you a second to get there. For those of you who want to follow me with the pages or the swiping, uh, I should probably get there too. So 2 Kings 5 is where we're going to be reading. We're going to be reading one of my personal favorite stories out of the Old Testament. There's a lot of good ones. But this morning we're going to go after this one. This one's a personal favorite of mine. Of my man Naaman getting healed of leprosy, and it's it's a joy. All right, I just need some nods. Is some some people there? Somebody there? I see at least one of you. Okay, cool, cool. I see some hands. Okay, let's go. We're gonna start Second Kings five, starting in verse one. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was, also, uh, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Continuing. And the Syrians had gone out and had gone on, ra- sorry. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if, if only 
my master were um, with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he could heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes. Well, he wrote a response, right? He tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends me a man to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. Pause there. This is fascinating because the king of, Is the king of Israel gets this letter and he, he, watch how he reads it. He recognizes the impossibility. Can't heal this guy of leprosy. So immediately his mind goes to worst case scenario. This king has entered into an arrangement with me where I'm in a corner and I can't fulfill the purpose. So he wants to pick a fight. He's setting me up in a scenario where it, it puts him in a place to quarrel with me because I, I can't do anything about this. That's why the, the, the supermaning of the clothes, right? Because he's a little worried because he's like, oh, I can't. He gets something impossible and in his own natural state, Freaks out. Worst case scenario. I can't do anything with this. I love this. Continuing in verse 8. So it was, oh I love it. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Oh, I love that. Some of your translations say, so he knows there's a God in Israel because the prophet's job was to speak on behalf of God. His job was to point people to God. So see, the king gets the impossible letter and he goes, ah! He's operating in the natural. The prophet gets the letter and goes, oh, send him to me. Oh yeah, my God loves that. It's impossible. Send him, send him to me so that he can know there's a God in Israel. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Verse 9, we're going to pick back up. Oh, it's about to get really good. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, uh, Go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Uh, but Naaman became furious, and he went his way and said, Indeed, I said to myself, Surely he'll come out, stand, call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, heal the leprosy, and, 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 and are not the Abana and the Fapar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Awesome! That's great! <laughs> Here's why. He came to he came expecting, recognize that. He made that huge trip. Like he took it before his boss. You're not going to take something before your boss unless you yourself believe in it because you're putting your own neck out there. So he takes it before the king. He gets all of this entourage, all of this to go with him. Shows up at the house. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a commander. People answer to him. He shows up in this, this foreign place, shows up, and the guy doesn't even come to the door. 
a servant comes to the door. And he's standing there in front of everybody who answers to him, taking orders from a servant. He came for healing. And God's tap, tap, tapping on his heart. Pride, come out to play. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. You hear this? He walked away in rage. And then he did this thing that's so interesting. Oh, am I going to get there? Am I going to get ahead of myself? Yeah. Yeah. God tapped on his heart. And then in that moment, this man, for all he's worth, is completely reduced to the contents of his heart. That is so important. Completely reduced to the contents of his heart. Pride. He takes off. Awesome. Okay. Verse 13. And his servants came near, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you not have done it? How much more then when he says, Wash and be clean? Let's pause there. In other words, they're saying, You came prepared for cake. If he was serving cake, you would have taken a bite and not thought twice. If he, was gonna, if he would have asked you to go out and take on a hundred by yourself, you would have jumped in. But we're already here, and that's what he says. Why not just do it? Okay? So that's what they say. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. I'm going to pause there. He asked, <laughs> this is funny, because if you read that word dipped, it says to plunge. Now, this is kind of fascinating, because what did the prophet say? Hey, go wash yourself. Now, when I imagine washing, I'm like, you know, you're getting out there, and you're just kind of like this. I can just picture this guy. Armor comes off. He said, go in seven times. Fine. He's just walking out, dunks in, goes back up. Like, you can just imagine. I don't even know if he let, like, his entourage, like, if he, like, hey, guys, go wait over here. He's like, fine, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. And he goes and he, he plunges seven times. Doesn't, doesn't wash. He plunges. He just goes seven times, goes in. Uh, okay. And according to the saying of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child and he was cleaned. Oh, I love it. He was cleaned. He was healed of his leprosy. We read that. He was also healed of something far worse. Pride. Leprosy kills the flesh. Pride kills the soul. Pride, when left unattended, raises you to the, self of, raises you to the place of God in your life. Because you get to that place where you pick and choose what you will and won't eat. You pick and choose what you will and what you won't do. What's beneath you and what, what would make you look good. You get to pick and choose how people see. You get to, you get to be God. In your life. You get to do for self what self wants. Surely he's going to come out, stand. It's going to be normal. He's going to wave, wave, wave over the arm. He's going to heal it. I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to go back to being awesome. Pride when left unattended will raise you to that place in your life where you are God. And you do for self what self wants. Pride prevents freedom. For freedom to come in the life of a person, pride's got to fall. Or a better explanation, it's got to die. It's got to go. He dipped in seven times and was healed. He was healed inside and out. Okay. Side note, I wonder if, if after this point, if, uh, I wonder if past this point, 
I wonder if past this point if he ever recommended the Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus to anyone ever again. Like, I wonder if he's like, go the extra mile. No, go up to the Jordan. You won't just get washed. You'll get filled. His heart changed. He had a huge change of heart. I wonder if he never recommended those rivers to anyone again. Just go to the Jordan. What you need is there. He had a change of heart. He didn't just get washed. He got healed. He got filled. Okay. And we see this because he goes, he goes back. So starting in verse 15, we see that he had a change of heart because he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides. Can you imagine what kind of a, like what kind of a business trip that was like? <laughs> like, can you imagine like, yeah, he got to the door, the servant came, the servant told him what to do. Nene walked away all mad like, I'm not going to do that. And then he did it and he dipped and then he came out and his skin's all clean. And it's like, oh, is that going to be weird when like the rest of you ages, but, but that part just stays youthful? Like, you kind of wonder what they were thinking watching this because you see as the leader of an army, as the commander, or as the head of a house, or as, the, as someone who is a, a rock in the family, you set the metric for everybody else. You set the metric for your kids, for your grandkids, how much they're going to love, how much they're willing to trust God, how much faith they're going to move on, how quickly they're going to move on their faith. It was amazing because as Naaman humbled himself and went low, and did what God asked. He was setting a standard for everybody under him. Everybody who would read this story. It's powerful when a good leader leads. It's more powerful when a good leader goes low and receives from God. Because then everybody gets blessed by it. It must have been an amazing trip. Okay, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to read 15 again. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides. And he came and stood before him and he said this. I'm going to pause here. This is the purpose for why we do what we do in being obedient and following the Lord. This is the purpose. Um, if you read in Romans 8, 18 through 21, this is the purpose why God's glory is, is to be put on display in our lives. You and I as sons and daughters of God, this is the purpose for his glory to be displayed in us. His glory was being displayed in this moment through what Elijah was doing, Elisha was doing. This is the purpose. He returned and he said, Indeed, I now know that there is no God in all the earth except the God in Israel. The story goes on, but we're going to stop here. That's the point. That's the power of obedience. That's what happens when you get out of your comfort zone and you just do what God asks you to do. When you get out of your comfort zone and you just go where God's leading. Okay. Yeah. Extracurricular is Romans 8, 18 through 21. Read that. And then do yourself a big leap of, of, of faith forward. Ask God if you're doing it. Ask him if you're living it. Ask him if this is real. God, is this in my life? It's in your word, and your words are meant to be in me. So God, is this in my life? Romans 8, 18 through 21. So that they would see and know that there is one true God in all the earth. That's why God moves in our lives and our obedience when we move on his behalf. His source of glory to be seeing us so it points people to God. For Naaman, in all of his 
power and all of his might, his influence, his authority, his standard, uh, his, sta- his stature, his reputation. Note, note this. In all of that, God uses a captive and two servants to lead him to freedom. Where pride was the master, God just paved the road with humility. Yeah, every step you take, name and party is going to die. You're going to die to self. It's going to be great. Never undervalue the power you carry in your words when you just simply point someone to God. She just said, have you heard about the man in Samaria, the man of God? Because if you did and you went there, he would heal you. An army took a captive. God used the captive to take their commander. I love it. God logic. It's amazing. God knew what he was doing when she got taken captive and her words lit a fuse. Naaman's life was changed and everybody with him who was under him that watched it happen, they never went anywhere the same again. You better believe they saw a huge difference when he came out and looked down and saw. And when they got back with him and realized the contents of his heart changed because what came out of his mouth changed. He said thank you to someone who was Class-wise, nothing compared to him. He lowered himself in in humility and said, thank you. That's amazing. Okay. Pride prevents freedom. And for freedom to come, pride's got to fall. Would we show up? Hmm. Okay. We're not going to go there just yet. We're going to go somewhere else. You guys want to go another place in the Old Testament? Okay, cool. Exodus 14, 21. Let's go there. It's, yeah. Yeah, we're going there. Old Testament day. Here we go. And I'm just going to wait till I see at least a hand or two. So I know I got someone on board with me. Okay. Exodus 14, 21. Naaman's story goes on to be even more beautiful. So if you ever get time at home and you want to see what else happens, it's pretty, it's pretty great. So it's a good one to finish, but we're not going to finish it today. All right, Exodus 14, 21. Well, yeah, Exodus 14, 21. Exodus 14, 21. Here we go. Story of the Israelites, Moses, big old body of water doing the splits. Here we go. Uh, And it is this. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind with um, east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them to their, um, on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off the chariot wheels so that they drove with difficulty. And in some translations you'll read, the ground was wet for them, so their wheels were clogged up. Okay. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from this place of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned 
to its full depth. Some translations might say its normal flow. The sea returned to its full depths while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned, covered the chariots and horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. I'm going to pause there. This is an incredible testimony of God moving on behalf of the children of Israel. Incredible. This is also an incredible um, this is also incredible because it gives us insight into how God actually moves in our midst today. You grow with God on a personal individual level, a different pace. Everybody in the room is at different paces, but we all grow in that personal individual level, right? When we come here and we've gathered together, God calls it one body, body of Christ, all of us together. In the same way God leads you and directs you in your personal life and your endeavors, being a part of a church community, being a part of a bigger body, God doesn't just let that fall to chaos. He actually wants us as a whole, as one, to move in one direction together. This verse gives us great insight onto what that looks like. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to boil it down and make it simply put. So God comes over the normal flow of something. He comes over and he disrupts it disrupts it, he supernaturally makes a way for the people to go. He gives a direction for the people to go in. He gives a direction for the body to go in for the purpose of getting his people from where they are closer to where he's calling them to be. That's what he does. That's why he does it. When we come together, we come expecting God to move. And we're learning to expect the unexpected, meaning whatever God serves that day, if I came wanting cake and God's serving broccoli, drop the cake, become the biggest fan of broccoli in the moment, become the biggest fan of how he's moving and get up off your butt and go do what he's saying to do because here's why. When you get up and do that, chances are you're going to leave a little bit of self behind. You're going to die a little bit of self. You don't get to lose it all at once because obedience is a day by day by day by day choice. So when you get up and you move and you go where God's taking you to go, look at Naaman. He figured it all out. Here's how you're going to move. Here's what I'm expecting. Oh, you didn't do it that way? Bye. I'm walking off. He would have missed it. And God goes, no, I, I want to heal you. I want to move in your life, but I'm going to go my way. Because when you follow my way, your obedience, it's going to bring on the pruning that gets you to die to self. When God says, get up and move, get up and move. If he's serving broccoli, go after it. If it's turnips, great. I got a lot more vegetables, guys. I could keep going. But the point is, what he's got, become the biggest fan of. Because what happens is, when you get up and you die to self, you take that, you say, nope, pride's got to go. We do what we're supposed to do. We follow God's word. We grow in our life. We choose him. We, we go deep in our relationships with him. There's that baseline of following God and what that looks like. But when the king shows up and he parts and he goes, we're going to go this way, get up and go that way. Because like, Naam, like Naaman experienced, you'll get full. You'll get filled. He got washed. He got clean. But his heart was changed. That's God's desire. Just change your heart. 
so that when he shows up and moves, his people move with him and everybody else will sit and go, oh my gosh, there's a God in Arlita. There's a God in Pacoima. Wherever you work, that's what happens. It's beautiful. I bet he went home and cried like a baby. You know, like, my skin, my heart, this is what it feels like. I'm not the biggest person. I'm actually a servant. God uses servants. That's amazing. That's the purpose of God's glory to be revealed on us. So when we come together, yes, we come expecting. And we come prepared to, if it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like, quickly get up and become the biggest fan of what it looks like. Right? You go and you move because when you respond quick, you get it quick. You get a little bit more that next time. And if you've got anybody in your life that follows you, your kids, your friends, you're doing them a favor because you're setting a metric of what it looks like to follow God. You're not just talking about it and they go, well, I'll wait till I see it. No, no, no. They see it on you. And they go, okay, I want to see. I want to know. I want to be there. That's how this That's how this works. Okay. 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 That's another. Ah, no. 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 For now. No. 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 Okay. So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to all stand up. Okay. Pastor, where are we going? As my pastor, where are we going? Good. I don't for sure know, but I think, does everyone in this room resonate? This is a word from the Lord. This is, this is a room for, this is a word for us, everybody in this room, if you're online, but it's also a personal word, right? And I can't help but think, I, I had to let go. I've been processing something. I, I'm not going to preach a whole other sermon. But I, I had something that I was preparing for Easter. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to have to share it right now. But it's not going to be the whole thing. The word repent. Yeah. Re means do it again. Yeah. What is penthouse? Pent. The top. It's re going on top. Repentance, sometimes we think repentance is this slobbery, crying, I'm such a bad person, I'm horrible, I need a God, and there's a snot mess. That can be repentance. But at some point, repentance is just saying, no, I'm going back again to putting God on top. There is a God that I'm choosing to follow, and whatever he serves, broccoli, I just do whatever he says. I don't feel like it. You hear me say this all the time. Sometimes we tell our souls, souls, it's time to rejoice. It's time to bless the Lord. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter if you feel like it. Yeah. God's word says it, so you just do it. Yeah. And that's repenting, saying, I will bless the Lord at all times, right? I will serve the Lord with gladness. I say this all the time. I will rejoice. Yeah. Everything just went wrong in my life. Yep, it's time to rejoice. Yep. It's time to be glad. Put on that garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I feel heavy. I feel down. Yep. Yeah. Let's do it. So I'm not saying we all have to rejoice. I don't know where we're supposed to go, but it's supposed to be something you don't feel like doing. So if you feel like never raising your hands in worship, then you're going to sing this song with your hands raised. If you feel like God's been doing it on Wednesday nights, I had to frolic. I don't even know what a frolic is. I don't think I actually did it, but I tried it. God's calling me to do things I don't normally do. God is calling you to do things you don't feel like doing. Why? To repent. 
to say, God, you're on top. Yeah. I'm your servant. Whatever you say, I do it your way. I have this way of thinking. I'm changing my way of thinking, and I'm going to do it your way. 